Atheist Nomads, episode 443, Burning Books in the Name of Liberty. The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-haws. Please be advised. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads, and this is the last one under this brand name. This week is just going to be just me, and with the upcoming changes, just make sure you're aware... The next episode will be under the new brand, which is Humanist Take on the World. We're starting the count back over, so that'll be episode one of it. And we're moving the release date up to Mondays. That first episode of that will be coming up on February 7, and then these will be every other week. So February 7 and 21, we'll be having those. For the patrons, uh, February 1st, I will be sending you guys another message. because I'll be switching the patronage over to monthly as opposed to per episode. So be on the lookout for that, but don't do anything right now. Wait until it's after the first of the month and I say, go ahead and and make your updates. This is pretty exciting. Um, We've got most of the stuff ready. We've got a website all set up, got most of the stuff ready to go on that. I'll be doing a lot of switching stuff over. And it might take me through part of February, (laughs) much of February, to get everything all switched over to the new brand name. But that next episode, it'll be coming up with the new logo, the new name, starting over at episode number one, and new music, which lets you know what that's going to be. This is going to be the new intro music. For humanist take on the world. And I've got some other music for a couple other things, and one of those will be com- coming up in just a little bit. So that's just a little teaser. So hopefully this will work out really good next time. And we also do have another uh, sale on the store, which you can find at atheistnomads.com slash store, or if you want to go through the new website, htotw.com slash store. And $13 t-shirts and up to 35% off everything else. And that includes the new shirt design that we have for the new logo design. Now, this one isn't just the straight logo. It's one Lauren had a lot of fun making just to be a shirt where it's the happy humanist holding up a globe wearing headphones. It's a pretty awesome design. You should check it out. (laughs) It's going to be pretty cool. And I guess with that, it's time to get into the topic, which is going to be a news rant. Oh yeah, we've got a rant about this news. One of the things that was definitely interesting when we were going through the Huguenot stuff was finding out that my ancestors names were getting smudged out on official records that the Dubois family, you know, at that point, my, my, my ancestors at that point in, in the mid 1600s, they were already five generations removed from having the claim to being the lords of that area. So why did anybody care? They were like, not even that noble at that point. But because they were Huguenots, 
from a noble lineage. They did not want any chance that they might be able to try and take back noble claims. So they made sure they smudged out enough to make it hard to prove that you were descended from this noble line. It was an attempt to erase them. The Catholics in power at that time in the Belgian Netherlands wanted to make sure that these snooty Huguenot Protestants could never come back and never have power. So they tried to erase them. When you look back at the history of of Christianity, when you get to the really early stuff, there's not a whole lot there. There's the bits that got saved and kept getting copied and distributed. And most of that is basically just what's in the Bible. Books got gathered and burned as part of the persecution. And when the church started to get power, they used that to track down any of the writings that were heretical and have those burned. And the, the way they handled getting rid of the Gnostics that involved burning all of their writings, many of which weren't found until the Nagamati scriptures were dug up in Egypt. And if I remember correctly, the 1950s, those were texts that had been completely destroyed in the third century, except for a copy that somebody had buried and saved. Oh yeah, the stuff that they saved, it's utter crazy bullshit. Even with a pretty decent English translation, it is mind-bogglingly insane that people believe that stuff. But it's still of huge value to have that information that people did believe that. That there was diversity in, in views and beliefs and that the early Christian church wasn't just a monolith that became the Catholic church. It was a bunch of competing groups, and one won, and was able to burn all the writings of anybody who didn't agree. So there was only the one version of what was going on. That unity fell apart with the schism of 451, because they didn't have control over the areas that had split off. When you move through the Middle Ages. There were dynasties that got overthrown in China, and the new rulers burned all the books of the old way. There were book burnings in Europe, in the Middle East, and, well, okay, not so much the Middle East. They were actually doing pretty good at that time in trying to preserve knowledge. But book burnings in, in, in Europe was a thing. Not that often, because there weren't that many books. <laughs> And almost nobody was literate outside of the church. But the most famous would be the Nazi book burnings. It was specifically a campaign of the German Student Union in the 1930s, where any books that were viewed as being opposed to Nazism, they would get, they would gather them up and do ceremonial burning of the books. That included the books of communists, socialists, Anarchists, liberals, pacifists, sexologists, and of course, Jewish authors. They burned the writings of Karl Marx, Albert Einstein, Ellen Keller, people who wrote in French or English. And they didn't just do that in Germany, they also did it in the occupied territories as a form of cultural genocide. 
with the idea being that once you conquer the land and the people, you still have to conquer the culture. Language is a big part of that, but if you really want to wipe out the old culture, you have to go beyond that. You have to destroy the books. Burning books, especially as a ceremonial burning of a book, is absolutely and completely a crime against humanity. It's a hate crime. I don't mean to sound hyperbolic here, but if you're just doing a little one-off, it's saying in very strong language, you want to erase these ideas and these people's identities and making it clear that once you have the power, you want to get all of them and burn them all and completely wipe out that culture, that culture and that identity, that you want to erase them from history. And saying erase from history, that's also not trying to be hyperbolic, because history, it's not a thing that started until writing. History is the stuff that got written down. If you can write down your stories and the stories of your people, you're a part of history. If those are destroyed, they're not. We knew the Gnostics were a thing before that last remnant of their writings was found. And that was because of how much the early church fathers argued against them and wrote against them. But the only knowledge of them was the arguments of how they were wrong and how to deal with them not what they actually thought and believed. It would be safe to assume there are probably other heresies from that time period that we know nothing about, that they completely wiped them from history. Kirk Twig is, the, is a member of the Spotsylvania County School District in Virginia, who in November had a list of books he wanted banned from the school library and preferably burned. The claim is that they were sexually explicit. These were books about LGBT people. These were books about racial injustices, which often have sexually explicit details in them, because many of those injustices are of sexually explicit natures. And books about women's rights, which again, often has sexually explicit elements to it, because a lot of the attacks against women are of a sexually explicit nature. And yeah, he wanted, he wants those books banned and burned. Beyond just doing that, he would talk about confidential human resources issues and open sessions. He'd send and read emails during board meetings. And again, he wants to burn books and is on the school board. He also wanted to fire the superintendent. He successfully got the superintendent to agree to leave at the end of the 2022 school year, and he has since been chosen to be the new chairman of the Spotsylvania County Virginia School Board, and has fired, in an unscheduled closed-door session, the superintendent, Dr. Scott Baker, who again had already agreed to leave at the end of the school year. He wants to burn books. And saying he wanted to burn books got him the chair of the school board. Meanwhile, in Wentzville School District in Missouri, the school board voted 4-3 to three to remove the book, The Bluest Eyes, 
by Toni Morrison from the high school libraries in the district. A review committee of district staff had looked at that book and probably several others. And their recommendation was that it, quote, would infringe on the rights of parents and students to decide for themselves if they want to read this work of literature. The board voted four to three to ignore that recommendation and remove the bluest eye from the high school's libraries. The bluest eye is the story of a young black girl who wanted blue eyes because she felt ugly and oppressed for her skin color. The author died in 2019, wrote the book in the late 1960s. The book takes place in the Great Depression, and it was to show the psychological damage of racism. It does include in it passages about incest and child rape. It's a book that is often on the American Library Association's annual list of most commonly banned books. The school board claimed they were protecting children from obscenity. Instead, what they did was erase stories. And this is, this is high schools. High school students know about rape, or at least they should. If they don't, that really increases their chances of being victims of said rape or of committing rape. These are topics that we can't shy away from, but there is a very powerful, there is a very powerful movement of the minority, the angry right-wing minority, to erase the stories of the powerless minorities. They've done a really good job of getting control of school boards and state legislatures and getting a pretty decent grip on Congress. One of the groups pushing for these book bannings in Missouri is called Moms for Liberty. They're a conservative group pushing for liberty, the liberty of conservatives to not have their feelings hurt. And their goal for this liberty is to silence everyone else. And there is no liberty when you silence the powerless. Yeah, that was heavy, and it should be a wake-up call for all of us. But we have feedback from Sal via the website. Subject is Jonathan Edwards, not the guy who sang Shanty. Uh, this is regarding episode 439, Puritan to Unitarian. And uh, Sal wrote, quote, When I was in public high school in Connecticut, circa 1989, we read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God in English class. For American English literature, they tried to tie the reading selections to history and sociology. I don't call if we read much else that was overtly religious, but I do remember that John I do remember that Jonathan Edwards sermon. End quote. All right, so that's two saying, yep, public schools do have it. <laughs> and I would absolutely say, <laughs> looking back again on it. Yeah, if, if you're looking at the writings of history, if you want to cover something from pre-revolutionary America, there aren't many other options. That was one of the most popular, if not the most popular thing written in that time period. So it makes sense that it would be covered, and I don't have any objection to it being used in that context in schools. If you're trying to teach American history and American literature, you can't shy away from that. And on that note, 
Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening since the launch in May of 2012, I want to thank you. And I hope that you are happy to join us on the next stage of this journey when Atheist Nomads becomes Humanists Take on the World. So until next time, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at atheistnomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at Atheist Nomads. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atheistnomads. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. The music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been the Atheist Nomads.